Thank you, Brother Tim. And uh, he mentioned in his prayer, help us to love each other more. And of course, I mentioned this card from Hannah. She had eye surgery. And she said, I'm extremely blessed to be a part of a loving church. That's neat. And um, she's very thankful for our prayers and texts and calls that she received. And you can look at this card. And we thank Hannah for that. And that's hers. Brenton didn't write that for her. She wrote that for herself. And she, she meant that. She meant that. And what better... Uh, blessing could we have in this uh, rough old world, mean old world, and to have be a part of a loving church. And uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. And uh, all right, in our text tonight, and I'll take just a moment uh, to remind you probably of what you already have known for so long. I was preaching through the book of uh, Galatians and got to the last chapter and uh, we run into that passage of scripture be not deceived God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap what an awesome statement that is and I just felt led to uh, preach some messages on the uh, positive side of that and uh, sowing to the spirit and so for some time now I've been bringing messages as the Lord lays them on my heart about sowing to the Spirit. And uh, there's something unique about prayer and uh, the fact that that is initiated by the Holy Spirit. And one of the greatest ways that a Christian can sow to the Spirit is to take seriously our prayer life, our prayer life, and to understand that that. The Holy Spirit leads us. We don't know what to pray for. The Bible tells us that in the book of Romans. But that the Holy Spirit leads us in our prayer life, puts on our heart the things that we are burdened with from time to time. And then I moved to the part where I realized that in the New Testament there was a lot of Scripture passages that talked about exactly what we could pray for because God had inspired someone to pray for that. And the way I see it, if it's there and the Lord has led someone to pray specific things, then I can pay attention to that and I can learn that this is something I can pray for. And so in, in here in Colossians, we've been looking at from verse 9 and down through verse 12. And the last thing that is mentioned here is the 12th verse. And here's what he says giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, or made us fit, or made us suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And so, maybe I hope I can finish this, and maybe we'll move on to something else. But this has just impressed me so, this verse here. And what I've been sharing with you is giving thanks unto the Father, uh, what, what that means, giving thanks unto the Father, it is those things that we do that express the fact that we are grateful to God the Father for a reason, that we're grateful, that we're thankful. And I don't know about you all tonight, I believe that you all are uh, feel the same way that I do. We are here 
we've assembled ourselves together and we, we want to worship the Lord and that is part of our giving thanks unto the Father. Now there's a world of difference between being thankful and giving thanks, of course. Somebody might say, well, I'm thankful. But then we might not ever do anything or be involved in anything that is an actual expression of our thankfulness. And so uh, the, what I've been sharing with you is that uh, to be thankful, there's got to be a reason. Nobody is thankful without a reason. And boy, does it ever come out in this verse. And I want to tell you that in my own heart, this speaks to me. Giving thanks unto the Father. And there's a reason for that. And it's spelled out in this verse and actually in the context of this verse. Giving thanks unto the Father. And where he said uh, here, which hath made us. Now, we're not fit. We're not suitable uh, to be uh, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light apart from being made that way. You all know how I believe about that. Uh, we, um, most of the people in this world, they have this idea, I have to make myself worthy. I have to uh, earn my way, or make myself worthy uh, to go to heaven or whatever. You know, however we might think that. Actually, when we study the Bible really carefully, we come to learn that God does a work of grace and He has made us suitable, made us a suitable. And that's what we looked at uh, last time is we went through some scripture and some ways that He has done that. Then when we stopped last Sunday night, I was sharing with you uh, that that is expressed here by an inheritance. And we studied that in the, the inheritance. And you might remember that the only inheritance I've ever gotten on this earth was my dear little mother who had saved up enough to, uh, and told me that she had saved up enough to put her away so us boys wouldn't have to be out that expense. And uh, she had made me the, uh, because she, I tell the, my brothers, because I was the smartest one of us all, uh, to oversee <laughs> that little process about how she wanted she wanted it done. And it, it, was, it was really funny. You know, my mother was like a lot of us, you know, the things that she had wasn't really worth much. But she, it was hers, you know, and she thought it was, and she'd given me instructions about exactly how everything uh, in her house. She was sick and had come to live with me, uh, and she lived with me till she died. And, uh, and so she wanted me to make sure it was done a certain way, and we did it the way she wanted it done. And most of her stuff, of course, uh, Susie and Sue might remember this, we just took it and loaded it in the truck and maybe uh, throwed it away because it would, you know, was something that wouldn't be worth anything. There was a few little things that were, but anyway, uh, that was a memorable experience how that she did that. And so whenever all of the things were taken care of, uh, I realized that there was a little bit left. There wasn't much, but it was a little bit. And so I divided it between us four boys, and so that was our inheritance. And, and so inheritance cannot be bought and paid for. It is provided because of a relationship that we have with the Lord. And so that's where we ended our study there. And I want to just pick that back up. The next thing that we find in our text is that it says, 
partaker of the inheritance of the saints. Of the saints. And so this is an interesting uh, statement that's made. And I was thinking about this last week. And I was watching uh, a news program or something like that. And uh, they told on the news program that the Pope had made a ten new saints. Had made ten. Now that actually happened. And I'll just tell you that's just pure blasphemous to be honest with you. Because that's not at all what the Bible says. And I want you to know that every true believer is, becomes a saint at the moment that they trust in Christ as their personal Savior and repent of their sin. They are sainted. That's exactly what that means. And of course we know that that word saint is sanctified. And so we believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that we are sanctified positionally and then we are sanctified throughout our walk with Christ uh, progressively. That there is positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. And so uh, if, if you're a believer, you were sainted the moment that you believed on the, the Lord, savingly believed on the Lord. And so uh, it, it is a wonderful thing that we have. And so we, we should work and understand that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the true believer to pro- progressively sanctify them, set them apart uh, as time goes on. And then the next one that we find here is that we it's an inheritance of the saints in light. Now, I think that's a neat statement that is made there. Saints in light. And uh, thinking about that, uh, several passages of Scripture uh, came to my mind. I believe that when one is saved, they, are, they, they, they become saints in light, in light. So it's the opposite of darkness, of course. And darkness is to be alienated, uh, alienated from the very knowledge of God, from the life of God, from the love of God, from the glory of God, all of those things to be alienated uh, from them. And it's usually uh, known in a person's experience for the lack of desire to willfully and cheerfully serve and glorify the Savior. Uh, It can be missing in a person's life. They can make a profession of faith and then that's just not there. There's not, not any interest in honoring Him in that way. So if we're saved, we become saints in light, in light. Now, what I want to do is I want to share with you some scripture passages that I think are interested related to that. The first one I want to share with you is found in John chapter 1. And I'm going to turn there in the first chapter of John. And here's what it says uh, in chapter 1 and verse 4, talking about Christ. Now listen to this. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So what makes me a saint in light? Well, it is the life of Christ. He goes on and says, of course, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it uh, not. And uh, on and on, and it talks about uh, that, that light in that passage of Scripture. Another interesting one that I looked at was in Matthew chapter number 5. 
in Matthew chapter 5. And this is a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture to all of us. And beginning in verse 14, it says this. Jesus says, Ye are the light of the world. And a city is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it, it giveth light uh, unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. So this is something of what it means to be saints in light. There ought to be something, of course, that shows there. And several other passages. I, uh, 2 Corinthians is uh, one right quickly. I'll read a verse there. 2 Corinthians and chapter number 4 and verse 6 that says this, For God who commended the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this is something of what that means. Not to just be a saint, but be a saint in light. Now, you don't have to turn to this one. I'll share this verse with you. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, here's what it says. You were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. And, and so that's a neat passage. Also, you don't have to turn to this one. I'll, I'll read this for you. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. You would notice that in these passages of Scripture, there must be a miraculous thing that has happened to the individual. All at once they move from darkness to light. From darkness to light. People use the little saying all the time, Oh, I see, I see. Uh, and you know, I, I preached from that passage not long ago where the man said, I once was blind, but now I see. So being a Christian is being a saint in light. Then in First Thessalonians, and uh, I'll, you can turn there if you like. First Thessalonians and uh, uh, chapter number 5. And there's a couple of verses here. Well, verse number 5 says this. You're all children of light. Now, I like the context in which this is found. And I'm going to just share all of it. Because it says, beginning in verse 1, But of the time and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Then in verse number 4, and of course I've pondered this for years, uh, what the meaning of it might be, uh, but it says, but ye brethren are not in darkness. Now I know what that means. I mean the scripture passage that I've shared with you just, uh, show that, that 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 day should overtake you as a thief. And, and what I mean, what I think that means is that we're not going to know the, 
the time of the return of the Lord. Nobody does. Nobody knows that. But there's something about being ready when that time comes that, that it means not being overtaken because we look for it, we expect it, we know that time's going to come. I personally believe that it's not, probably won't be very long, really, before the Lord comes back to this earth again. And so that's my uh, interpretation of that. And then in verse 5, you're all children of the light and children of the day and not of the night nor of darkness. And then he goes on to say this, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but watch and be sober. I think that describes someone that would, is not going to be overtaken when Christ, when Christ returns to this earth or when Christ takes us out. That's been our Wednesday night study about meeting Him in the air. And I, I've been teaching for, I taught for several uh, weeks on my interpretation of that. And that was the question that come up about that passage of Scripture. And it's in First Thessalonians and talks about uh, where Paul said, I not have you be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that you saw well not as others that have no hope. And he goes on to describe the fact that we're going to be taken out of this world. And he so, says, so let us not sleep as do I, but let us watch and be sober. And I think that when we're expecting that, that's what it means by being children of light and not being overtaken by that. And he goes on to say in verse 7, But they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. And then he goes on to say, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so there's something about that. And I think as, as saints in light is that it's describing a people who are looking for and expecting the return of the Lord. And uh, you all know that I have a little nephew. Now, well, he's not little. He's a big nephew. But some might think that he's uh, uh, maybe challenged. He's come to church here many times. His name is Colin. And, uh, and he's a neat, neat person, Colin is. And uh, every once in a while he'll say, Uncle Cheryl, I, I, I sometimes I get up in the morning and I look toward the eastern skies and I think maybe today will be the day when the Lord comes back. He says that all the time. And he certainly thinks about it and dwells on it. And he's a good example of that. And so the children or the saints in, in light... And not in darkness, but in light. And so that's a wonderful passage that is given there. And so what this verse tells us is, as I've shared with you, there's got, we, we must be thankful in order to give thanks. And I want to tell you, I, I find for myself uh, the reason for being thankful in this verse. I, I know that the Lord has saved me. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve that. It is by His wonderful and marvelous grace. I know that I'm saved. And I preach all the time that saved people can know that they're saved. And, and so uh, we, we're, we, we must be a thankful person if this is true in our life. That He has made us worthy or fit 
to be a part, a partaker of the inheritance of the saints of light. So if we're thankful, we are looking always for ways to give thanks unto the Lord, to express that thanks unto the Lord. And, uh, you know, I mention this every once in a while, that we ought to pay attention to the songs that we sing, and uh, because many, many of them are songs that are set to be sang to the Lord, and, uh, and to be express our thankfulness, express that. We can express that, not, not just in word, but also uh, in deed. And so this, is, this gives us a reason for that. And it's been my experience down through the years that those who are the most faithful to the Lord and who, are, uh, who love their Lord and love their church and, and, and love to serve Him and love to worship Him and uh, you know, be ready to whatever way that they can uh, uh, be of benefit to the kingdom and cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the ones that are thankful. To be unthankful is to be the opposite of that. Now, uh, talking about uh, being delivered uh, in that way, verse 13 uh, adds to this verse, and it says, Who hath delivered us? And this is something already done. It's not a part of waiting for that. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now that's thankful people. When that's true, uh, it is always a thankful people. I like uh, Acts, and I'm going to turn there and read this verse. I've over the years preached from this verse before and made reference to it on occasion. It's found in the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26. And uh, in verse 15 through verse 18. And I want to share uh, this with you. Uh, In verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Now we would recognize immediately who this was. It was Saul of Tarsus. When Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, and um, of course, um, I think maybe the next uh, uh, message that I bring on Sunday morning, maybe this coming Sunday morning, about being arrested. And that's actually in the text. Apprehended (laughs) is what that is. And Saul was flat out arrested. That's all you could say about it. And the Lord didn't send the sheriff to do it. He come and done it himself. That's neat. But this is what it's talking about in verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But arise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and those things in which uh, I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Now this is the verse. What was he sent for? What was he arrested for? To open the eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. So you see, that's what it means to be saved. 
to open your eyes. Brother Morsewhite means be born again. What it means to be born again. And uh, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. That happens to every person that God saves. And from the power of Satan unto God. The power of Satan unto God. What most people don't realize is that all unsaved people are under the control of Satan to whatever degree he chooses to control them. It's just a fact. And I've shared with you scripture that that point that out. And so, deliver thee from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sin. And uh, I got tickled some of the fellows. They're always picking on me. Just pick on me and pick on me. And uh, they was talking about something that I that I did, and it was a sin. And, of course, I was reminded that uh, sin is any attempt to deceive. And, of course, it was my little granddaughter I'd told the story about uh, when she was just a little tiny thing. And, of course, my grandchildren all swung on my beard when they was little bitty things and, and growing up. They don't do that anymore, but they did when they was little. They liked to grab a handful and hang on for dear life. And it was Addison. And I said, one day, of course, teasing with her and everything, I said, Addison, honey, don't do that. I said, the, the birds, they come and lay their eggs in there and hatch their little babies. And she, her mouth flew open and she believed it. And of course, I told her different and everything. And uh, I believe it was, I, I won't tell you who was doing this, but his initials are Aaron Raider. And he said, well, now, preacher, you preached on that this morning. Uh, that's sin. And I said, now, brother, I want to remind you of something else I preached on this morning. I said, I'm forgiven. So it's behind me. Don't you bring that up anymore. <laughs> and I preached that this morning, that uh, one of the things that Paul was talking about when he said, forgetting those things which are past, this one thing I do is we don't ever forget anything, but we put it behind us. It's back there, and it's not. And one of the things was sin that is forgiven. We don't have to go through life with guilt, because when we're forgiven. And so he's, he says that here, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among them that which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Oh, that's what it's all about, being sanctified or being set apart uh, by faith. So how, how do we know that we have that relationship with the Lord? We know it because of all those things that I shared with you, how that God saves old unworthy sinners like myself. But then we know by this context. You see, the whole thing that I've shared with you here about what to pray for, I'll go back to verse number 9. And he says, for this cause, also since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. Now, he's praying for the church at Colossae and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. You see, there are characteristics, there are things that that ought to impress, impress us, it impresses me. Oh, that Man, somebody could be praying that for me, that I might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He goes on in verse 10, that 
that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now let me tell you something about truly saved people. That's important to them. They want to live for the Lord. They want to please the Lord. Amen? Want to please the Lord. We can't always please everybody, but boy, we can strive to please the Lord. And he goes on, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. All of these things. You say, preacher, how do I know that the Lord has saved me? We know that because that touches us. These are things, and I see in it as I've been sharing with you, these are things I can pray for too. I can pray for the Emmanuel Baptist Church. These very same things. Because if the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pray it, then it must be something I could pray for too. And he goes on in verse 11, Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And then he ends this passage of Scripture by saying, Giving thanks unto the Father, who hath made us suitable or fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. And then to know, as verse 13 says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now folks, I want to tell you something. This is my personal testimony. I know these things are true in my life. Not that I'm worthy of it. Not that I deserve it. Not that I've ever worked and earned it because I couldn't anyway. You see what I'm saying? But we can know that. And you know what that'll make out of you? I can tell you right quickly. It'll make a thankful person out of you. And it'll make a person who wants to not only be thankful, but give thanks unto the Father. I give thanks unto the Father tonight. And I know all of us who know the Lord can do the same thing. Father, we praise you and we thank you for this text, these verses of Scripture, and how meaningful they are to us. We thank You, and I pray, O oh God, for myself and for everybody else who is participating in this, that You would help us to seek ways not only to be thankful, but to give thanks unto Thee. Ways that we can express that. Ways that we can serve You. Uh, ways that we can honor you and glorify you and help to promote in any way we can your kingdom and cause in this world. Father, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, we pray. Now, if you'd stand with me now as Brother Aaron comes to lead us in a closing number. And if the Lord has spoken to your heart in any way and you need to come, I'd invite you to do so as we sing.